Hello and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. My name is Nell Ostrom, Associate Editor for Canada's History Magazine. Today I'm speaking with Paul Hellyer, a politician and former federal defense minister. Back in the 1960s, Mr. Hellyer was behind the idea to unify Canada's Army, Navy and Air Force. It turned out to be a very controversial move. To date, Canada is the only country that has combined its armed forces into one. Hello, Mr. Hellyer. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Not too badly at all, thank you. First of all, what was the reasoning behind putting the Army, Navy and Air Force all under one umbrella? Um, it was, in my opinion, it was a military necessity uh, because um, they just couldn't work together uh, in the common interests of the uh, of the country. There were individual fiefdoms. They had uh, turf wars, and uh, they just uh, were really coming from a from a different age, in my opinion. And this was, uh, you know, this was my experience with them. For example, the thing that was probably the, the final straw when I was looking at whether it would be integration or unification was that they were, they were planning for three different kinds of wars. And the, the Air Force was planning for a three- to five-day um, thermonuclear exchange. And the Army was uh, planning for a general mobilization, not unlike uh, World War One and World War Two. And the Navy was somewhere halfway in between with the emphasis on uh, on submarine warfare. And um, there, were, there was no coordination, but they didn't come up with any unified uh, recommendations to the minister, to the government as to what the, uh, what the policy should be. The Navy in particular was, uh, was really dragging its heels as far as coming into the second half of the 20th century is concerned. And this was not just my opinion. This was the opinion of the uh, Rear Admiral uh, Mingay did a study in 1949, in which he was very, very critical of the obsolete uh, Royal Navy traditions that had been carried on in the Canadian Navy. And of course, one of the reasons was that the senior officers of uh, flag rank in the, in the Navy were all um, trained in Britain, and they all came back with a with a deeply embedded, I guess, uh, I guess, class mentality is the way I would put it. Naval morale was so hopelessly low. But the, the, the day that, for example, the day that the uh, Korean War broke out, the Navy asked Brooke Claxton for a um, an urgent meeting with the minister, and the chief of the naval staff came in with a request to uh, use a Included China in their uh, in the naval mess, and this was the day that the Korean War broke out. And Brooke Claxton was so infuriated with them, he threw them out and confisc- confiscated the uh, the China and had it put in the minister's uh, orderly room. So uh, you know that there were reasons why something uh, different had to be done, and uh, and. They they could go on and on, but you know enough is enough. So it does sound like there were a lot of good reasons for having all the services come under one structure. But why did you make everyone wear the same uniform? I freely admit that the uniform was the uh, was the biggest mistake. 
um, because and I, I, I realized as soon as I saw it that it wasn't as beautiful as the naval officer's uniform, and I should have done it, something about it right away. But it was a staff decision, and they, they had uh, met for weeks and a long time, representatives of the three services, and this is what they came up with. And the, the models, one from each service, that were demonstrating it for me were so proud of it and, and looked so handsome and proud and so on that it was, it was hard to say no, and it's and also it got hard for me to to overturn staff decisions, especially when I had the reputation for doing that. So it sounds like if you had to do it all over again, that you wouldn't have insisted on the uniforms. Is there anything else that you would have done differently? Yeah, I wouldn't have. Um, Retired uh, Admiral Brock. Uh, when when we uh, did the unification, uh, integration unification, we were able to cut 20% of the uh, of the headquarters staff, and still do the same work. Of course, that was part of what it was about. So I asked each of the services for a redundancy list. Well, I actually asked the chief of defense staff, who was then in charge, to get redundancy list from each of the three elements, which he did. And the top name on the uh, on the naval list was Admiral Brock. And of course, he became leader of the opposing army, as it were, in the House and in committee when uh, when all the kerfuffle uh, broke out. And without his, <clears throat> without him, I think <clears throat> the passage would have been much uh, easier and simpler. So if I had to do it over again, I would um, promote him to to a vice admiral and send him to Rome. There was a good NATO plum job there that he would have loved and he would have been in his element because he was very much a, a guy who liked uh, uh, representational side, I guess, of the, of the job, of the, going to the diplomatic parties and doing this sort of thing. And he would have been in his element. So there were a few mistakes like that. And, and unfortunately, there are those Two big ones that were really cases where I, I accepted the staff advice instead of following my own instincts. Now, your instincts weren't just political. Uh, you had firsthand experience of how things worked in the military. Now, I understand that you were in the Air Force and the Army? I was in the Air Force first and then the, the Army. Hmm. And um, when I joined the army, uh, said, well, you have to learn to march, you have to do square bashing. I said, well, I just did square bashing. You know, yes, but that was Air Force square bashing. And uh, then gas drill. And they said, well, you have to do gas drill. And I said, well, I just did gas drill. And they said, well, same gas mask and everything, but they said, oh, yes, but that was Air Force uh, <coughs> gas drill. And then the sort of piece de resistance was... Uh, when uh, the guy in a white frock came along, said, roll up your arm, and took out a needle and started giving me shots. And I said, well, I just had shots. And in the, in the almost a Machiavellian uh, voice, ah, yes, <laughs> but those were Air Force shots. And so he gave them to me anyway. That and in the, mean, you know, in the meantime, we were at war, <laughs> and the Army was desperate for reinforcements. And... You have all of this, well, nonsense going on, really. <laughs> I can't believe that about the shots. Um, 
So, so Canada was a, a trailblazer in this whole idea of unifying the, uh, the their armed forces. Did any other countries follow suit? Uh, Sweden intended to do it because after I left the government, was um, writing for a few years, uh, uh, a couple of columns a week. I went to Sweden and uh, was sitting at a briefing, and the chap doing the briefing didn't know that I was a former Minister of National Defense. And he said that they had intended to do it, and they sent the party of which he was one to Ottawa uh, to get more details about it, but that the Canadians were so negative that they changed their minds and decided not to do it. So how did that make you feel? Well, it made me just, you know, I've said that one thing that Canadians uh, find hard to... Uh, to admit is when they're first in something <laughs> to take credit for it the way most countries do instead of uh, apologizing for it. Did you get feedback from defense ministers in other countries? The, at the time, uh, the uh, Secretary of Defense in the United States, uh, Bob McNamara, told Bill Lee, who was my assistant, uh, that what we did was absolutely right and that every minister every NATO minister was envious and wished they could do it, um, but they didn't have the guts to. Thank you, Mr. Hellyer. It's been a very interesting conversation. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. Well, not at all. It was a pleasure, and I'm glad you called. I'm Nell Ostrom, Associate Editor of Canada's History Magazine. I've been speaking with Canadian politician Paul Hellyer. As Canada's former defense minister, Mr. Hellyer unified Canada's armed forces in the 1960s. To read more about how unification was opposed by the Navy, read Jack Granitstein's article entitled The Revolt of the Admirals in the October-November issue of Canada's History.